Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary. The Success Story podcast is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network as well as the HubSpot Podcast Network. Now, the HubSpot Podcast Network has incredible shows like The Hustle Daily. It's hosted by Zachary Crockett, Jacob Cohen, Rob Litterst, and Juliet Bennett Ryla. Now, The Hustle Daily brings you a healthy dose of irreverent, offbeat, and informative takes on business, tech, and news. And it happens daily. So if you want to stay up to date on the latest and greatest, and some of these topics are interesting to you, then you're going to love The Hustle Daily. Uh, Topics like Amazon's grocery strategy, the rise of the ugly shoe economy, is AI the secret to love, and America's sleep deficit problem. So if these are topics you want to get into and you love hearing up-to-date content whenever you wake up in the morning, Go listen to The Hustle Daily wherever you listen to your podcast. Today, my guest is Scott Miller. He is the Executive Vice President at Franklin Covey. He is also the author of Master Mentors, 30 Transformative Insights from Our Greatest Minds. Scott's had an incredibly impressive career. This is the second time he's on the show. He's a prolific speaker. I absolutely love the way that he teaches and presents. He hosts multiple podcasts himself, including the On Leadership podcast and great life, great career. Additionally, he is the author of many books outside of the one we're going to talk about today, including the multi-week Amazon number one best-selling book, Management Mess to Leadership Success. He authors a weekly leadership column for Inc.com, and he's also a frequent contributor for Thrive Global. So we spoke about mentorship today. Again, second time on the show, why we went into mentorship. Of course, he just released a book on mentorship The book is actually about some of the lessons that he's learned from some of the people that he's had on his show. And he's had some of the most incredible individuals on his show. So we spoke about some of those lessons, but also uh, Scott's an incredible leader himself. And he teaches over, he uh, speaks as well as in his own organization, teaches over a lot of things that will help you sort of level up in your own career. One of those things being mentorship. We spoke about mentorship because it's such a it's such a powerful way to fast track your success if done properly, but it's not properly defined for a lot of people and there's a lot of confusion about how to actually approach it or people may not have success finding the people that they actually need in their life to help them get to where they want to go. So we spoke about mentorship, what is a mentor, what isn't, how somebody can build relationships with mentors that can help them, the benefits of having a mentor, uh, the right ways to find a mentor, which is incredibly important, uh, things people should be aware of when they are searching for mentorship, and the difference between a mentoring moment versus a traditional mentor relationship you should be aware of that when you're starting to seek out help and guidance and then lastly outside of some conversation regarding how to basically deploy mentorship in your life to level yourself up then we just spoke about some of the great stories that he's uh, that he's been able to unpack and some insights that have been super impactful on him from some of the guests on his podcast so let's jump right into it this is scott miller evp at franklin covey as well as podcaster author and speaker So after four years with the Disney development company, they invited me to leave, which is kind of the way Disney fires you. It's a great culture, but they invite you to pursue your career elsewhere. So, you know, after four years at Disney in Orlando, Florida, where does a single Catholic boy move? Well, of course, to Provo, Utah, where all the Catholics are. So here I am, 26 years old, moving out from Orlando, Florida to Provo, Utah to join Stephen Covey's organization, of course, the author of the seminal book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And here I find myself 25 years later after having lived around the world as an executive officer for the world's most influential leadership development firm, was the chief marketing officer for a decade, began to start writing a column for Inc. Magazine, wrote several best-selling books, and now I am privileged to be the host of the world's largest weekly leadership podcast called On Leadership with Scott Miller, where I have the honor and the privilege of interviewing some of the world's most influential luminaries, best-selling authors, four-star generals, and some people who may not be a household name but have a transformational insight to share. And as a result of my first 150 interviews on the podcast, I decided to write a book called Master Mentors, 30 Transformative Insights from Our Greatest Minds. My name is Scott Miller. I am the dad of three boys and the husband is Stephanie Miller. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. And man, what an honor to Scott be on your podcast today. 
dude, that was the perfect origin story. That was concise. That was succinct. That you've you've done this once or twice. <laughs> I know. I know you speak a lot. I know you. I know you're a great interviewer. Um, I'm excited to have you on. I'm excited to break down uh, some of the things that you've learned that you transpose into this into this book. Mentors, mentors. People always speak about mentors, mentorship. Why it's so important. What is a mentor? Well, a mentor is different things to different people. Sometimes it's formal. Like, will you be my mentor? Will you mentor me on this Six Sigma process? Sometimes it's informal. It's someone that's just, you know, friended up. They've friended someone who is more accomplished, wiser, smarter. But I think a mentor is someone who is abundant, who has wisdom to share with someone else. Not, not, not an ego to try to turn them into a mini version of you but someone who has an abundance mentality that wants to share not just their successes, but their failures and messes. I don't know about you, but I learned more about having a successful marriage from those who are divorced. I learned more as an entrepreneur growing my business from those who've had bankruptcies than from those who made their first million by age of 30. So I think a mentor is someone who is more concerned with what is right than being right. Meaning what's right for you? What are your strengths? What are your fears? What are your passions? And can any of my journey, mistakes and successes be helpful to you? That's what a mentor is. I feel like when people look for a mentor, uh, they don't have that definition in mind. I, everything you just highlighted, when mentors open up, when they're vulnerable, when they teach over from their past failures, I think that's what will actually help somebody and actually move the needle. But I feel like the average person doesn't even know what to look for when they're looking for a mentor because there's this vision of a guru that can help them in all aspects of their life. And yeah. to me, that's not, that's not helpful. That's not mentorship. And that's not, even what, uh, that's not even what your definition is. Like if you're looking for a mentor, you have to find somebody potentially who's done something in one area of your life or one walk of your life. And if you find multiple people who've done different things in different areas of your life and you consume them and you learn from them, that's probably the best way to leverage what a mentor is. It's not a course, it's not a class. It could be, but it doesn't have to be. And I think that's something that I wanna pull out because even you know, when you write a book and the book is basically uh, 30, 30 people that you've connected with through your interview and you take that insight and that knowledge and you you summarize it, that's, a definition of mentorship that is mentorship that people can consume through the book. So how does somebody figure out, let me think how to word this. How does somebody figure out how to build a relationship with a mentor? Mm -hmm. Is it something that you should go out and seek them? Is it something like you should just consume them on YouTube? What does an actual beneficial definition of a mentorship look like? I don't think a mentor is someone you don't know. Like, I don't think, you know, Gary V is not my mentor, but I follow him and I learn from him. Uh, he's a podcast host that I listen to. I, I think some people confuse that. Your mentor is someone who is in relationship with you. It's not your therapist. It's not your coach. It's not necessarily even your cheerleader. It's someone that you've identified that has perhaps pursued a path similar to the one that you want to pursue. And that you believe they aren't just smart, but they're wise. I, I think that's what's different about a mentor. It's someone that is smart and wise. That they have wisdom. That they have enough confidence to demonstrate humility. To not necessarily say that their path should be your path. A mentor is someone that asks big questions. That they're good listeners. That they're able to, like I said before, demonstrate humility. Which, by the way, is a leadership competency. Humility is a mentoring competency. But someone can't mentor you unless they know you want to be mentored. So I'd say formalize it. But make sure you declare your intent. Make sure that you're not um, artificially trying to be mentored because you eventually want them to seed your first round of funding or you want them to open their Rolodex, right? Don't manipulate someone into thinking they are your mentor and all of a sudden you ambush them for a different reason. That's just called duplicity and disingenuousness. Find someone that you believe you can learn from, their successes and their messes. Declare your intent. My intent is to try to learn from your experience. Would you spend some time with me over the next six months, one call a month for 30 minutes to talk to me about these particular topics? 
and then honor that. Don't send them emails throughout the week. Don't suffocate them. Most mentors, if they're valuable, they're probably successful. They're probably in demand. They don't want to be your therapist or best friend. If it turns into that, different story, right? But I think people can't help you if they don't know you need help. So reach out, move outside your comfort zone, reach out to someone perhaps you don't even know and say, hey, I'm trying to launch a podcast like you on HubSpot, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, whatever. You've done what I'm wanting to do. Could you mentor me for three or four 30-minute sessions in the hopes that I could learn from you? Most people I have found that are successful have an abundance mindset They'll help you out as long as there's not this sort of mission creep, right? You're now their best friend and you're coming by their house and you're inviting yourself to their barbecues. Be respectful of your mentor's time and boundaries. But there is one point that is important is there is a feedback loop. There is an active feedback loop. So it's not just consuming a ton of their content. That's an important part of mentorship as well. Okay. So... Benefit, I want to actually bring it back because this is actually important. And I wrote a couple points down here, but I think we're actually jumping the gun because we're assuming that everybody even understands the benefits of having a mentor because hmm. we're probably on the same wavelength when it comes to a lot of that stuff, as I find our many high-performing individuals who have seen success in their life, they have aligned with people that have mentored them to some capacity. Let's talk about the benefits of having a mentor. If somebody has never really sought out that they've done it on their own, so to speak. And they never really, they never really aligned with anyone. They felt like they couldn't ever trust anyone to give them that feedback. How do you get somebody to take that first step? And why should they, if they've already figured out their life to this point without a mentor? Well, I don't know a single person that's successful that's ever figured out their life without a mentor. They may not realize that they have a mentor in their life. It might be a rabbi. It might be a priest. It might be a father-in-law might've been their headmaster. So I, I, I just, I reject the premise that people have achieved any level of significant success, success without some kind of mentorship. It may be that they don't realize it. But to your point, mentorship is, it can take on many forms and fashions. Mentors allow you to kind of look around corners. They allow you to um, turn a disappointment into an appointment. They give you feedback on your blind spots which we all have, whether it be our, our lack of vision or too big, bold vision, all of execution. Mentors are typically, like I said before, wise people that just ask big open-ended questions. So if you were to do that, what's the consequence? What's the upside? What's the downside? If you were to say that or launch that, tell me about your board of directors. Tell me about the people who are mentoring you in life. What, what are you? So I think mentorships, mentorship isn't really about teaching lessons from your journey. It's about having your mentee know what questions to ask, uncover, unfold, help them to understand their identity. What is their passion? What is their mission? How can they turn their fears into their strengths? I think a great mentor is someone who listens more than they talk. And so I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it. Each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash Clary. That's netsuite.com slash Clary.
Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit. And that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn jobs and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours. That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials, but here's the 
best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. For me, mentorship is a requisite for a successful life. Is surrounding yourself with people who, by the way, they may not always be older than you, might be younger. I have, I have several people that are mentoring me on how to get on Clubhouse and how to leverage TikTok and how to do you know, different types of platforms to help launch my, my books and products. They're mentoring me. And I'm not afraid to say I've got mentors that are half my age they're helping me become more relevant in a post-COVID world, right? And so mentorship, I think, can be different people to different things. It kind of is what's right for you at the moment in your life. And if somebody wants to go find a mentor, you, you mentioned a few things, like be very specific and intentional. Watch the creep of the relationship. Don't try and get a mentor to have ulterior motives and to help them invest in your, in your company. But if you do want to find a mentor, what are the right ways of going about it? Well, I think there's probably many right, right ways. One is you can make a list of your entire network. Might be eight people, might be 800 people. And you might call up some of the most accomplished people. When I say accomplished, it might mean that they'd had the most bankruptcies because the people that have had the most failures probably have the deepest lessons to teach and say, hey, Scott, I noticed that you've launched three businesses. I'm trying to, you know, do some crowdsourcing or crowdfunding over here. Who do you know that could give me some wisdom on this? Anybody you know that you'd be willing to build a bridge to? Your mentor may not be in your network. It might be your attorney's accountant. It might be your ex-girlfriend's brother. It might be someone that you don't even know. So I would say the first step would be to look at your own network and find trustworthy, wise people who might be able to build a bridge to someone they know. If that isn't the case, you might just reach out to someone. I mean, I don't care how big of a celebrity you are, you're still checking your Facebook feed at 8.30 at night in bed. I don't care how successful you are, you still have an email account, you still have an Instagram, and you're still looking at it in the evening time when you need a break from your kids because you're, you've worked 14 hours today. So I'm a big proponent of just putting yourself out there and asking. Most of my success has come because I was willing to I was willing to ask. I was willing to pick up the phone and call Matthew McConaughey and say, Matthew, love to interview you. Sometimes they say no, sometimes they say yes. And Matthew leads you to Will Smith and Will Smith leads you to Mark Manson. Mark Manson leads you to, you get the point, right? And so uh, there's many ways to find a mentor and you'll know pretty quickly if it's the right fit for you. I think what goes wrong in mentorship is when you start to treat the mentor as your friend or as your bank or as your coach or your therapist. Mentors are there to help impart any knowledge, any wisdom that they've gleaned from their journey that can be replicated in your journey. I think also mentorship goes wrong when the mentor feels like their job is to, like I said before, to kind of turn you into them. Mentorship is not trying to have someone follow your path. It's about helping them clarify and uncover their path. So when you, when you have someone that is helping you clarify and uncover your path, that's, that's when you know you're in a positive mental relationship, when it's not extending beyond that. Right. Um, now, I would also just ask, how do you know when a mentor, so how would you, I guess you sort of answered how you'd know when a mentorship isn't working out, but even just jumping into something, what are some red flags right off the bat when you are looking for mentors? Because you're right, there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of opportunity out there. You may see somebody as successful. Is there things that you should stay away from or be wary of when you're trying to find someone to help you? Well, I think it's uh, self-awareness, knowing what it's like to coach you, knowing what it's like to be on a Zoom call with you. So some of it first is self-awareness to know, what type of person would be best to match your personality? I think also is scope creep. You know, you don't want to call up Sylvester Stallone and ask him if he'll mentor you for a year and a half on how to become, you know, uh, a boxer. 
I don't watch his movies. I think he was a boxer. Is that what Rocky was? I think it was boxing, yeah. right? Yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Not a boxing fan. Forgive me to your millions of boxing listeners. But I mean, that's overwhelming, right? Sly Sloan's not gonna, you know, mentor you for a year and a half. But you might say, hey, could I have a half an hour of your time? And the mentor might fall in love with you. And she or he might say, hey, you know, if you have more questions, give me a call. So I think incrementalizing, it's like dating. Are you gonna know on the first date whether or not you wanna invite, you know, this person yeah. back or they wanna invite you back? Be transparent, be open. I think be realistic is I'm trying to develop this skill, right? I'm trying to do this particular thing and I have identified that you may have some expertise in this. Would you be willing to coach me? And I would be very specific in a couple of 30 minute sessions. You know what, if it goes well and you have high EQ, you can read into the third session whether or not it's appropriate to ask them to extend it or not. And I also think it's gracious to break it off. If after the second call, you find that that person's expertise isn't what you thought or they're not as invested. You can simply thank them for their time. Hey, can I tell you, Scott, I have so appreciated your investment in me. I'm going to actually release you from any further commitments. I'm going to go out and execute on the things that you've taught me already. And would you be willing if I needed some more time to ever give it to me? Sure. And then, and then they feel validated and you feel like you're able to break it off. I think um, many of those techniques could work for different types of people. One thing that you mentioned is, is a mentor moment. Walk me through what a mentor moment is versus, I guess, a traditional mentorship relationship. Well, I mean, you could have a mentor that's a 30-minute cup of coffee at a Panera, right? I mean, it's what most of my chapters are about in the Master Mentor book, right? These are people that I had on a 35-minute podcast where they dropped a truth bomb that I had never heard at the age of 50. I never heard that concept before. Here's a good example. This is a concept um, from Hiram Smith, who is the co-founder of Franklin Covey. He invented the famous Franklin Planner, the paper planning tool, right? Uh, which is not part of the company anymore. But Hiram taught me in a mentor moment, this concept of you can see life through three lenses. I have to, I ought to, I get to. I have to take the garbage out on January in a cold Salt Lake freezing 10 p.m. I ought to take the garbage out. Or I get to take the garbage out. The first mentor in the book is a man named Nick Vujicic. Nick Vujicic was born with no limbs, no arms and no legs. He has a torso and a head. And Nick Vujicic would love to take the garbage out on a five degree January evening and Salt Lake City. Nick Vujic has never taken the garbage out. And so whenever I'm entering a task, whether it be terminating someone or flying to Miami from Salt Lake, I get to take a seven-hour flight today. I get to be on Scott's podcast, moving from a, a, a mindset of I have to, through I ought to, to I get to. That's a mentor moment. It's something that you know could happen in a very short conversation where someone's wisdom can be imparted to you and completely change your life by changing your mindset, your behaviors, and your results. So go out, go out and find these people because even even something as as short as a thirty minute segment, and that's what I wanted to to draw out because I think people get scared about the concept of mentorship and they get worried that okay, well, yeah. I'm not going to have a year with Sylvester right. Stallone. But still, push yourself outside that comfort zone. Get that coffee meeting for 30 minutes with somebody who has achieved incredible stuff in their life, and you're still going to get something out of that. You and by do the way, your you mentor quite... doesn't need to be a famous celebrity. They don't need to be also the that highest too. earning attorney in town. It might be just someone that has traveled down a similar path that you have. And no doubt, if you ask the right questions and you have an open mindset and you're also willing to listen – I mean, there's just no question you're not going to glean some insight out of them. Out of the hundreds of people that you've interviewed, why these 30? What was so, what was, because you're going to do, we, we were discussing in the, in the preamble there, you're going to do, uh, what, 12 of these books or, or more, <laughs> who least. knows? At least. At least. But still, this is the inaugural book, 30, 30, 30 insights, basically. So what was, the, what was the rationale for these 30 individuals? They agreed 
<laughs> they agree. <laughs> no, actually, there's some truth to that, right? So I mentioned I host this podcast called On Leadership with Scott Miller. And uh, you have to have appeared on the podcast to be included in the book. So I picked people from all walks of life. Honestly, it was, it was people that I found that they actually had a transformative insight. Now, that's a pretty high standard, right? Because not everything in this book you might find transformative. I, I think this book, Scott, is a kind of a start anywhere, go everywhere. It's easy, breezy, fast read, three or four page chapters. This is not good to great or built to last. This is sort of chicken soup for the business leadership soul. And so I picked people fairly episodically. Dr. Daniel Amen, the famed psychiatrist and neuroscientist on brain health. Stephanie McMahon from WWE fame. Speaking of boxing, wrestling, wrestling, not boxing. <laughs> I talk about brain with her. Seth Godin, right, on Reckless versus Fearless. Susan Cain, the author of the book Quiet, around introverts and extroverts. Dave Hollis on vulnerability. General McChrystal on being on the right side of history. So I picked people that I thought were different ethnicities, ages, religions, expertise, and put together a purposefully episodic book that could hit anywhere for anyone at any time, whether you're just going through a divorce, whether you just became a parent, whether you just launched a business, whether you were just fired from your job, whether your private equity company just said no and you're on the hunt for another round of funding. I wrote it episodically on purpose and tried to bring in broad people from different walks of life. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, HubSpot. Now, the new year might have you thinking ahead to what you want out of your career. So when you think about your success story, what do you actually picture? Is it retiring early with a beautiful view of the skyline? Is it leaving a legacy with your name on it? Or maybe it's helping influence and change some of the world's most pressing issues. Whatever it is, writing your success story starts by working smart. Because when you work smart, your success story writes itself. A HubSpot CRM platform helps your marketing campaigns work harder and smarter. With intuitive visual workflows and bot builders, you can create scalable automated campaigns across email, social media, web, and chat so your customers hear your messages loud and clear. Are you tired of your content not adapting to mobile, making it difficult for your customers to absorb your message? A HubSpot CRM platform optimizes your content for multiple devices so that you can reach your customers wherever they are which is just smart. Learn more about how you can transform your customer experience with a HubSpot CRM at HubSpot.com. Understood. And also, I want to understand why you went through the trouble of highlighting four people in the, in the introduction, because I think that there's obviously something that stood out in these four people. And I'm not saying that the other, because the other people are absolutely incredible. I've, I've looked through the, the, the roster of people that you brought onto your show and also into the book. But let's break down some of the lessons that, because I think that's also wildly, uh, wildly useful people listening. Um, so let's start with Stephen Covey. That was one of the four people, obviously, uh, he was, you know, uh, just an incredible individual. Uh, Seven Habits is a book that is probably yeah. one of the best selling books of all time. Yeah. So what did you learn from him? Yeah. And why was he included in this book? So point of clarification, uh, this is actually Dr. Covey's oldest son by the same name. Although I worked with Dr. Stephen R. Covey for, you know, 15 of my 25 years, he passed about a decade ago and his oldest son, Stephen M. R. Covey wrote a very famous book called The Speed of Trust. This is the most best, biggest best-selling book in the world around building a high trust culture and how to become a high trust leader. So the Stephen Covey that I interview is Stephen M. R. Covey, the oldest son of Dr. Covey, our founder. And I highlighted him because I think he is a very practical practitioner of trustworthiness. Now, the, the uh, insight that I share on him is not about his book or about anything we discussed on our podcast. In fact, many of these insights were not shared in the podcast. Some of them were in the metaphorical green room or in a car or at a restaurant somewhere. Some cases, they were from the podcast itself. Some cases from their books. Some cases they were from an experience I had. With Stephen M. R. Covey, the insight that I share is actually called pulling the plug, is knowing when literally as a leader, you need to pull the plug on a product launch, on your marriage, on a business, on a re toxic relationship, on some kind of venture or innovation. 
So Stephen M. R. Covey's fame and influence is actually on how to become a trusted person. But the chapter that I write about, to some people's surprise, maybe even frustration or delight, is when I saw him as the CEO and president of our company pull the plug on a product launch hours before it was going to launch because it wasn't at the standard that our brand would require and our clients would respect. And there were some pretty serious reverberations in the firm because of it. And so I think it's a good lesson on when is it time to pull the plug in your own life? Not on your life, but in your life. Thank, first of all, thank you for the clarification. I actually, I wasn't sure if it was the son or the father yeah, because no I just realized that you've you've worked with the the father before he passed and I thought there was right. probably some, well, I'm sure there's some threads of influence many, in the son as well. Many, many, many. Uh, many. No, no. Uh, Another person that you mentioned, and you mentioned him just when we were just riffing yeah. a couple seconds ago, is is Nick. Um, Nick Vojcic. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. he's an incredible person. He's spoken to like millions and millions. And I'm sure that if you have gone down a YouTube rabbit hole of any sort of inspiration, you've seen him somewhere. You've seen him on Goldcast. So he actually was on your podcast, but then he went to your home for dinner as well. Yeah. What did What did he teach over that was so impactful that you put in this book? So um, every month, my wife and I host a dinner party at our house in Salt Lake City, where we invite some kind of luminary. It might be a governor, an ambassador, an actor, a musician. Post Malone is coming over. Ty Burrell is coming over. So we pick, we pick some kind of luminary. We fly them in. And we invite about 15 people from around Salt Lake to come. Some are friends, some business leaders, some educators. And we just have a dinner with this luminary. Nick was one of them. Nick flew to my house. And before the 15 guests arrived, I think we had a barbecue in the backyard, right? This was not a formal dinner party. But before he arrived, he was sitting on my sofa in my living room. We were just talking with each other. Now, again, Nick is Australian by birth. He is um, Texan by choice. Lives here in the U.S., a transplant from L.A., and Nick is a very powerful person because he always looks forward, doesn't look back. Again, born with no arms and no legs, tried to take his life as an early child, literally tried to throw himself off a kitchen counter to end his life. And it didn't happen like he planned. He's a very religious person, very evangelical speaker. But regardless of his political and maybe religious views, of which some I agree with and some I disagree with, We've built a very strong love and friendship for each other because I have learned an immense amount from Nick, and that is being grateful for all you had. And the story that I share in the book is I, at 50 years old, I met Nick, and I had a, I have and continue to have a fairly privileged life, some offered to me and some earned by me. But I was sitting on my sofa watching Nick scratch his forehead on my sofa like a cat because Nick can't scratch himself. He has no limbs. Giovanni is his full-time caretaker. Now, Nick is married and has four kids, but Nick can't scratch his head. He can't brush his teeth by himself. He can't use the restroom, dress himself. Nick can do very little physically on his own. And here I am across from him on a sofa, reflexively looking down, and I have a cup of water in my hand. I'm drinking a cup of water because I was thirsty. Nick can't drink a cup of water. He has to ask for one, and someone has to hold it up to his mouth, and he has to drink it. And it was right then and there, Scott, that I realized I'd never shown any appreciation for my arms or my legs or my hands or my toes or my anything. When I type, when I, when I adjust my phone, when I do anything. And so it was just that moment that I just had this overwhelming sense of gratitude for my fingers. An hour later, we're out in the back dinner party and Nick is talking. He sits in a chair with his torso. So just imagine that you have nothing beneath basically your groin and you have no arms, no shoulders, you have shoulders, no arms. I'm eating a piece of key lime pie standing behind the dinner table and Nick is talking and, and I look down. I don't even remember picking up the key lime pie. I don't even remember finding the fork. And here I am just like gorging on my key lime pie while Nick is kind of just like, you know, keeping his torso so he doesn't fall out of his chair. And so for me, maybe you had to be there, but in the story in the book, I just talk about how all of us can benefit from having a deeper sense of gratitude for the small things. Maybe you can't pay your entire visa bill this month. Be grateful you paid 30 bucks for it. Maybe your air conditioner isn't working, but your lights are. Be grateful for that. Maybe you can only put $4 of gas in your car. Been there. Be grateful for that. 
kind of ties into the whole concept that I shared earlier around I have to, I ought to, I get to. So at midnight or 10 o'clock on Sunday night when the wind is blowing and the driveway is iced over and I've got to take the garbage out to the garbage cans and wheel the garbage cans out to the road and I go to the trash can and I open it up and I get a whiff of my dog feces because my boy took him for a walk but didn't tie the bag. I used to think, now I think I get to take the garbage out because Nick Vujicic cannot take the garbage out. That that is one of those that is one of those moments in all seriousness where you listen to somebody you you yeah. just you're you're with somebody for a period of time and in that short period of time that is when they truly change your life yeah change my life change my life yeah and it's a difference today I'm in Miami today giving a speech I live in Salt Lake and so it'll be a full day of travel I'll get home at ten o'clock tonight I get to take a six hour flight back to Salt Lake tonight probably eight hours when you factor in my, my, you know, layover, I get to do that. And before I would have thought, uh, now I'm like, I get to, I, I get to walk on the plane with my own two legs. Yeah. That's, uh, that's raw. That's tough, man. It's raw. That's tough. Um, that is, sorry, the, the story gave me, every time I hear his story, it gives me shivers. Um, you know, seriously, this is not just, uh, we're not just, you know, just not, just riffing on this for fun. Like that's a, that's a, an incredible human being. If you don't know who he is, you should go. When you go and take a shower out. today and you put the shampoo in your hair, be grateful you have hands to put the shampoo in, right? When you text yeah. your friends, be grateful that you have a phone that works, that can text. It doesn't mean lower your standard. It means be grateful for what you have. Stop focusing on what you don't. Let's tell me one more story. Um, Cause actually the, I, I was actually incorrect. It's actually five. I just, so there was actually five people that you had put in the preamble. How about Kim there Scott? There was Nick. There, yeah. I was going to say Kim Scott, Steven, yeah. Stephanie McMahon, and then uh, Trent, Trent Shelton, Shelton. But yeah. Yeah. But Trent Kim, Shelton okay, so is Kim a Scott. former. Yeah. Can I talk about Kim Scott for a minute? Yeah. I was going to say, but you, I want to, I want to just, just highlight you actually took a word for word transcript from your show in, and put into the book. And you didn't do that with everybody. And I'm also curious why. So talk about, talk about Kim and, and Radical Candor, because I know that's the book she wrote, but I don't yeah. know much more about her. So Kim and Trent have nothing in common, right? Kim is a Silicon Valley white female executive. Trent Shelton is a former NFL player, um, a black American male. They have very similar, um, they have no similarities actually, but what they have <laughs> in common, the similarities they do have was their interview was so powerful in the podcast that I chose not to just write about it. I chose to take their exact verbatim transcript and put it in the book because they could tell their story better than I could. Only, only the two of them. Uh, Kim Scott is a former executive at Google. She was one day sharing uh, a story that at Google, she was meeting with Eric Schmidt, then the CEO and one of the two founders whose names I can't properly pronounce, so I won't attempt. And she's in the room with her then boss, Sheryl Sandberg, that then left Google. And now I think is the CEO of Facebook. That's, a, that's an all-star team, by the way. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, I, mean, right. I mean, this yeah. is, yeah, yeah. This is my world, right? Is hanging out with the founders yeah. of Google. Hardly. So Kim Scott shares this story about after this meeting, as she's giving a presentation to Eric Schmidt and I think it was Sergey. Um, Cheryl Sandberg says, hey, come back to my office a moment. And Kim's like, uh-oh. She comes back to Cheryl Sandberg's office and Cheryl says, hey, how do you think that went? And Kim said, it went fabulous. They seemed like they were really in, um, um, uh, invested. And Cheryl said, do you realize that every third or fourth word you said was like or um? I was like, and she was like, and he was like, and I was like, and um, and uh, and um, and uh. And Kim said, yeah, it's like a verbal tick. It's no big deal. And then Cheryl said, yeah, that thing you do with your hand, this thing you do with your hand where you just like dismiss things, it's insulting. And Kim said for the first time in her life, she felt like someone was telling her that she had spinach in her teeth, metaphorically. And Cheryl Sandberg said, Kim, you sound stupid when you talk that way. I'm willing to get you a speech coach if you'd like. Here's the point. Kim went on to write this book called Radical Candor about how one of the greatest gifts we can give people who work for us is feedback on their blind spots. Done so with a 
level of courage and diplomacy that keeps their self-esteem, their self-worth, their self-confidence intact. And it was Sheryl Sandberg that demonstrated radical candor with Kim Scott, which is the opposite of ruinous empathy. As a leader, Kim and I are on the same page when it comes to a leader's first job, most important job, the biggest gift they can give those who work in with them is feedback on their blind spot. It might be their personal hygiene. It might be their punctuality. It might be their self-awareness of how much they speak versus listen. It might be their inability to take responsibility for their actions and blame others or on and on and on. And this is the main role of a leader is to transition people out of self-defeating behaviors and habits that no other leader had the courage to do before them. This book, Radical Candor, is amazing. And Kim Scott is enormously self-aware and vulnerable to share what she learned from Sheryl Sandberg and others. So I, I held Kim Scott up as a great leadership example that anybody reading this book, whether you are a formal or informal leader, whether you're a mentor formally or informally, your job is to appropriately build trust with others so that you can get them in a position, in the conditions where you can be radically candored with them. When people read this book, what do you want them to take from it? Do you want them to take action? Do you want them to just feel enlightened like they've learned from 30 incredible people? Yeah. What's, the, what's, the, what's the end result? Yes and yes. I, I think, like I said, this book is going to hit everybody differently. You know, one thing I learned from Seth Godin and from Clayton Christensen is as a marketer, not everybody is your client, right? You need to understand the exact circumstance your client is in. Not everybody needs to come to your restaurant. Not everybody needs to come to your spa. You can't, everybody is not your customer. It's not true. On this book, however, I'll tell you, it's got a broad audience. It's going to hit people differently. And I hope people take away from it a piercingly transformative insight that it hits them right when and where they are. As I mentioned earlier, not every insight will hit you as transformative. In many cases, it will remind you of something you already know. There'll be a lot of dumb moments. But at the end of each chapter, I offer kind of a big recap. Here was the big idea. And then I pose a question to the reader. Different question for each chapter. How are you going to implement this by asking them a provocative question? So I think in many ways, every reader will have a different experience with the book. And it's the kind of book where you can read chapter 14 before chapter six. You can scan the table of contents, go to someone you love and know, go to someone you don't know or love, and maybe become a follower of theirs. We mentioned off air, you know, I'm not sure I've ever had an original thought in my entire life. I was the chief marketing officer. I, I had some success in life. But at the heart of it, I'm just an aggregator and a pollinator. I, I, I think my calling now is to, is to gather at the feet of wise people and then pollinate their wisdom to as many people as possible. And in some ways, I hope that this book becomes a platform and a spotlight for those 30 people and allows others to say, I've heard of Brendan Bouchard. Who is that? Or I've heard of Stedman Graham. Isn't that Oprah's boyfriend? Why is he in here? Well, Stedman Graham is a remarkable entrepreneur on his own right. And the insight that I share from him for me was literally life-changing. I hope the book hits everybody exactly where they need it to. Awesome, man. That's great. Okay, so I have I have a couple rapid fire that I asked. I pull out a, a couple last career insights from you. Any other closing? Those those were probably closing thoughts. But anything else that you wanted to bring up that we didn't get into? You know, Stephen Graham's insight was most of us live our life fulfilling the identity that others placed on us: our parents, our guardians, our headmasters, our rabbis. And instead of living your life becoming the chemical engineer that your father wanted you to become. Go choose your own identity and spend your life fulfilling the identity you want for yourself. That sounds like therapy 101, but Stedman Graham taught it to me in my late 40s, and it's exactly what I'm doing. Thank you, Stedman Graham. Awesome. Okay. Love you, mom if and you dad, it. but I'm not going to be what you want me to be. I'm going to be what I want to be. Good. As you should be, as everyone, as everyone should be. Um, if people want to connect with you, where do they go? Social, website, where do they get the book? Sure. All of that. Sure. The books I write can be found on every retailer, Amazon, Books A Million, you name it. My books are out there. You can Google Scott Jeffrey Miller. My website is, in fact, scottjeffreymiller.com. 
I'm on every social platform, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, soon to be TikTok. I'm on Clubhouse. Uh, if you Google me, I'm bound to come up Scott Jeffrey Miller. Okay, amazing. All right. Biggest challenge you've overcome in your personal or professional life? Yeah, I'm a stutterer. I have a lifelong stutter. I spent 20 years in speech therapy and speech pathology. I've had braces three times. I'm going into a Visalign next week for my fourth time to help control my stutter. There are about 35 words I cannot say in public, and I've worked very hard to build off-ramps and alternative words. So when a word comes up, da, 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 I've got 17 words that may or may not make exact sense, but I have a lot of, a lot of file drawers that I can pull from. But I have a strong speech impediment, and I've worked hard to try to work through it, and in some cases, even conquer it. You know what I was, I, I didn't know that, but I think that you're probably one of the strongest speakers, probably one of the, one of the strongest speakers I've ever had on this show. And I've, I've listened to your podcast and whatnot. That's incredible. I think you've actually leveled up beyond the skill set of many other people just because you had to conquer that. Probably. That's gracious yeah. of you. And thank you. Um, if you had to choose one person, there's probably been many that had an incredible impact on your life. Who was it? And what did they teach you? Seth Godin has become a very dear friend of mine. Of course, you know who Seth Godin is, the famous blogger, author. Seth taught me the difference between being reckless and being fearless. And it's one of the 30 mentors that I highlight in the book. I spent most of my life thinking I was being fearless when in fact I was being reckless, reckless with my brand, reckless with your feelings. I was the kind of guy that kind of, you know, said what was on my mind and, you know, kind of just let the chips fall where they lie. And I realized that, no, that wasn't, fearless. That was reckless. And not every thought I have needs to be expressed. So I don't need to tell you everything on my mind. I should be more fearless and less reckless. What would be one uh, resource? Could be a podcast, audible book, obviously not yours, but something else that you've consumed that you'd recommend people go check out. <laughs> you know, I'm a big fan of Donald Miller. He's one of the most famous marketing minds in the nation. And Donald Miller wrote the book, of course, you know, building a story brand. He wrote Business Made Simple, Marketing Made Simple. He's in the book as well, just conveniently. Donald Miller is a very wise marketer entrepreneur based out of Nashville. His podcast, I think it may be even called now Business Made Simple, but he's a very abundant gentleman that likes to shine light on others. And if you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, an intrapreneur, if you're looking for a side hustle, if you follow, you'll learn a ton from Donald Miller. What would be one unpopular opinion you hold about business, life, mentorship, leadership? I do not believe in the cancel culture. I am radically opposed to opportunistically taking people down. I have some friends that are big celebrities that said the wrong thing or did the wrong thing, and then they, they kind of you know saw the light, and, and, and it's hard for them to recover. I believe in second, third chances. I think if you're a sociopath, if you're like a morally corrupt person, different story. But generally, I am the king of second chances. I think people should be not just forgiven. They should be, in most cases, pre-forgiven. Because people are going to say the wrong thing. When you are a celebrity, when you are a leader, when you are an owner, just by sheer volume, you're going to say stuff that's dumb. It's very safe to be Switzerland. It's very safe not to ever express an opinion. But just by the sheer odds of mm -hmm. talking, of announcing, of declaring, you're going to say things that you need to unwind. And so I generally am moving into my last clearly half of my life being much more forgiving of people and not taking things so personally. Good. Very good. And then um, if you could tell your 20-year-old self one thing, what would it be? Oh, guard your FICO score with your life. Guard your credit score with your life, right? I mean, my score is sometimes in the 800s, sometimes it's in the 600s. You know, the amount of money that I have spent on, you know, extra interest because my FICO score was below 700. I mean, it's just insane. So guard your credit score with your life. Next to your reputation and your soul, it probably is your most valuable asset. <laughs> um, and then last question. You didn't, you didn't expect that one, did you? <laughs> I did not. I did not expect that at all. But that's listen, man. Good advice is good advice. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it's about. I think that's damn good advice. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, what does success mean to you? 
oh, raising my three sons to be gentlemen, raising my three sons to um, not be bullies, not be mean, to be kind, to be generous, to be helpful, to help people out, to protect people who need to be protected. My, I wasn't married until I was 42. I was married late in life. My wife and I had three boys. Technically, she had three boys. Um, in five years, it's not been easy. I never wanted to be a parent. Truth is, I still don't want to be a parent. I don't enjoy it. But it is now my calling and my mission. So success to me is uh, having these three boys feel loved and um, stay connected with me throughout their whole life. Success will be when my children come home because they want to, not because they have to. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it. Each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works. One data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash Clary. That's netsuite.com slash Clary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn jobs and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a quality qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours. That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com 
com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. 